You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Welcome to the Essential Apple Podcast, your home for news, views, security stories, technology, and all sorts of other related chit-chat that catches our attention. Hello everybody and this week, oh my god, there's a deluge of stories, all sorts of things going on. The Mac, of course, is 36 years old. Yes, 36 years since Steve unveiled the first Macintosh. Um, Apple have started pulling Flash out of Safari. Um, Google said some of Apple's anti-tracking things actually made stuff worse. Uh, Uncle Tim has told us AR will pervade all of our lives. And claims were made that Apple gave up fully encrypting iCloud due to pressure from the FBI. Uh, Nick and I will talk about that in a bit. And Sonos got themselves in hot water again with a poorly managed announcement about support for older items. Um, there we are. Um, oh, on top of that, the Space Force badge has been uh, widely ridiculed as seeming strangely familiar. Um, Apple have pledged to support the fight against the coronavirus. And uh, in a totally unrelated to tech thing, uh, my son sent a picture of our dog to Burger King for one of their promotions. And my dog is now on the Burger King placemat in the UK. If you happen to pop in there and see a small white dog with a Burger King crown on, that's my dog. There you go. <laughs> well done, Joe. That's what I have to say about that one. Uh, I am joined, as you just heard, by Nick. Hello, Nick. Hi, Simon. Yeah, good to be back. I've had a good week this week because I've been, I've been quite busy and uh, I've had a new car arrive, which is nice. Ooh, is it an electric another, car? Another electric one. Of course, yes. And what have you got this time then, Nick? I've got Hyundai Ionic. 38 kilowatt hour one so it's, it's got a range of almost 200 miles nice. 170 to 200 so it's not bad that's, that's no that's perfectly good for uh most people most of the time i would have thought um oh yeah i would think so yeah apart from these people who are constantly tra- trekking up and down the uh, motorways it, it amazes me how people tra- how far people travel to get to work these days that is awesome. i mean i thought i mean i had to go about 23 miles to work and, and 23 miles back each day. And I felt that was a lot. But some people, you know, sort of come 50 miles or 60 miles to work every day. You think, oh, good grief. Yeah. I just, Spend think, most of your life on the roads. Never mind that. How, how on earth, you know, how, how much money must you need to be earning to make that viable? Well, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I think for a lot of us, if we were travelling that at that distance, we'd be 25% of our income would be going on travelling. There we are. <laughs> anyway. That's always the, always the problem. Always the problem. So, um, lots of stories. So, uh, yeah, 36 years ago, Steve Jobs unveiled the first Macintosh. Um, well, there's not a lot to say about that, is there really? Um, it is what it is. As these things come round, we're always like, oh, my God, really? 36 years ago. How did that happen? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> there we are. Um, Tim Cook uh, has said that AR will pervade our entire lives. Um, this was on the Silicon Republic. It's also various other places. Um, Tim basically, uh, you know, gave an interview and uh, has hinted very much that AR is the next big thing. Um, and also he gave a shout out apparently to a Dublin company who are working on... Um, uh, some kind of uh, AR games. Uh, there we are. Um, it, uh, it, uh, they've been saying this for a number of years now, though. I mean, I, I wonder when. I wonder when in the future is. <laughs> well, indeed. Because they have, I mean, they have been talking about AR, haven't they, for at least what three years, four years? I would think it's probably at least. I mean, when? I mean, when did the watch come out? Because around the time of the watch. Tim was not actually poo-pooing AR, was he? But he was kind of, I think the wrist is the right place to start. He, he kind of made some comments along the lines of who's going to want to stick a computer on their face. Um, yes, yeah. But I think I think his view on that is changing. I think he's become more and more, because, of course, he gets to see all the concepts, which are five years out. Um, True. 
True. Yeah, because I mean, all we've seen really from Apple so far with regards to AR is mostly games, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, mostly. actually demonstrated on stage and and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um. Very much so. I mean, but I... don't get me wrong. Games are cool. But... Oh yeah, Game, games are <laughs> yeah. cool. I. But if it's going to pervade our entire lives, then that's a little bit more than just games. Yeah. I mean, as Oliver said last week, you know, maybe this will become a thing, and maybe like Tim Cook obviously thinks it will. But then again, he gets to see stuff that's probably five years ahead of the rest of us. So. Yeah. Yeah. In which case, yeah. That's, a bit like uh, Johnny said, you know, I feel that's like quite I'm exciting the, if that's the case. Isn't I'm it? living in the future. Um. Yeah. So, yeah, um, Tim was, uh, I can't pronounce it, uh, <laughs> but um, in Dublin, uh, they were presented with a special recognition award uh, to recognise the company's contribution to Ireland um, because Apple have been in uh, in Cork for 40 years uh, and is, in fact, Cork's largest employer, which is interesting. Um, I do remember many years ago um, that uh, if you bought Apple kit in the UK, a lot of it uh, was marked on the bottom, um, assembled in Ireland. Um, they stopped yeah. that long, long time ago, but they did at one time have factories in Ireland. Um, and of course, they, you know, there's all this thing about their their head offices in Ireland. But um, they do, I do know, despite people kind of saying that they they use that as a tax haven or whatever, I do know that Apple have a lot more going on in Ireland than just you know a few people in an and an office. Yeah, it appears that way, doesn't it? Um, mm. uh, what did Tim say? My view is it's the next big thing, and it will pervade our entire lives. An Irish company works in this space in particular. Um, I visited a development company called War Ducks in Dublin. They have 15 people and are staffing up, and they are using AR for games. Okay. Um, I was listening. I was listening to Carl talk about this subject. Um, and he expressed, I think what we've also expressed is that it's, it's never going to really work while we've got to hold our phones up in front of our faces. No. Uh, um, so, is... uh, hopefully something is coming along so that we won't have to do that any longer. <laughs> well, yeah, I, 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 I'm really excited about it, but I'm also fearful that I might get horribly let down and it all turned well, out to be a it's always the possibility because we always like we'd always like to have um, uh, what is it that bart calls it unicorn tears doesn't he yeah we'd always like unicorn tears but unfortunately <laughs> they don't exist that um is true yeah i know i know what you mean yeah i mean i yeah i really hope there's something very exciting just around the corner that will uh revolutionize the way we use our because i think i think we i think we said in the last show that the I can't see a killer feature for AR at the moment, but maybe if you could look five years ahead, perhaps there is something. Yeah, you know, and also that often, as I said last week, with these technologies, nobody knows where they're going to go. It's like the iPhone, you know, people poo-pooed it at the start of, well, what does it really do? And initially, not very much, let's be honest, it, apart from giving you access to a web browser and email on your phone, which wasn't, you know, it wasn't outlandishly um, uncommon. People like BlackBerry had at least, you know, had emailing and secure messaging and things before. A proper access to the yeah, web was probably think... the biggest thing because before then you had that horrible sort of WAP. Oh, junk, yeah. Which was yeah, I remember that. It was horrible. Yeah, awful. And yeah. everybody turned it off because all it did was drain all your, <clears throat> drain <laughs> your bank account and your battery. Um, and your battery, yeah. But, you know, once they brought out the App Store, I mean, then people started coming up with the most amazing ideas. And Yeah, I think, I think sometimes, uh, sometimes you can see what's coming and you can start making preparations in advance. And other times you've, got to, you've really got to wait for the device itself to know whether it's going to... Those ideas aren't going to come until you actually see the device and how it works. And, yeah, and then suddenly I mean, someone's going to say, oh, you know what we can use this for? Exactly. It's that I, kind of thing, isn't it? I, I guess if you, if you, you know, obviously it's way above my pay grade, but if you work in AR already, it could be that, you know, you've got all these brilliant ideas and yeah, but it's never really going to work until we can have some kind of, you know, actually in front of your face technology. Um, so a lot of those things are a bit like if you build it, they will come. Um, yes. Yeah. So, and I'm sure it's, you know, like many things, like with the iPhone, some of the first things that will come out will be games. 
if they bring out Apple glasses, there'll be a huge explosion in AR games. But yeah, once virtual, that novel... virtual to be virtual thought apps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but once the you know once the novelty of that starts to wear off, the I'm sure the more um, productive uses will start to come through. And it's like the watch again. The watch when it came out, a lot of people were what exactly you know what exactly is it meant to do? And I'm not even sure Apple knew exactly what it was going to do. Um, because it wasn't until what Watch OS three or something that people started to say now it's now it's you know starting to find its feet. Um, yes, I think so. And once once Apple started to focus on health, yeah, and, and, and you know, I think I think that was the that, that was what really sold it is that it, it was a health device as well as a you know something. If it was just there to give you notifications and stuff, I mean, don't get me wrong, I I, I like that aspect of my watch. Um, uh, having things pop up on my watch to say is very useful. Um, but yeah, I can see why it's become more popular because of the of the health thing, and perhaps that only became apparent, as you say, once the first one out, and they started to see what people were interested in. I think very much so. I'm sure feedback from what people were actually using it for very much um, directed, you know, where they went with OS two, OS three, and so on. Um, Excellent. Roll on AR, I say. Yes, that's <laughs> it. Um, there we are. Um, Apple is finally ending Safari support for Adobe's Flash. Um, as you I said to me, was, has it not gone yet? Yeah, has it not <laughs> gone yet? Um, as I understand it, um, until now, a- Apple stopped installing Flash by default a long time ago, but you could still install it if you wanted. Um, but the yeah. latest, the latest release of uh, Safari Technology Preview, which is in fact uh, Safari Beta. Um, has now pulled all support for it whatsoever. So you cannot install it at all. Um, and I think Google and, are doing what, much what the same. It, what was it Steve called? The bag of hurt or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a bag of hurt. <laughs> yes, I think. Or, or, was that, or was that Blu-ray? One of the two. Um, oh, you might have been Blu-ray. <laughs> whatever. Yes, well, we all know Steve's you know, uh, overall view of uh, Flash. There we are. Um, now, this, this is a story I was torn Nick, whether to put this in Apple or whether to put this um, in in the security section. So, um, but Google, I this is a sort of a non-story, as we said before the show. But I, I wanted to mention it for a couple of reasons. A Google finds Safari anti-tracking feature actually enabled tracking. Um, now, the reason I wanted to mention this is because Google found a flaw in the active anti-tracking uh, technology in Safari which um, meant if you knew how, you could actually uh, hack in and get the list of uh, websites that Safari had visited and blocked tracking on. Uh, That's obviously, yeah, that kind of defeated the object. If you could get hold of the list of uh, places that couldn't track you, you at least knew where somebody had been. Um, Now, there's two reasons I wanted to mention this. One, because Google found it and... uh, in you know proper ethical disclosure, uh, told Apple about it when they discovered it, and Apple and Google worked together to fix the problem. And Apple patched it in um, I think mid December um, with a note in the patch saying you know thank you to Google for uh, their responsible disclosure. Um, part of the reason that I want to mention it is that well done Google again. Nice to see Google and Apple, um, you know, and others working responsibly to try and keep all of us safe. The other reason is there's a lot of sites reporting this as if this is a live problem, as if, you know, Google have found this gaping hole in Safari, which is exposing us all to terrible risk, um, which isn't true. Um, yeah, I was going to say insert where necessary. We're all doomed. We're all doomed. Um <laughs> And it's not it's not true. It was patched, I think, in the middle of December. So as long as your, you know, as long as your software is up to date, this is a non-story, really. It's a case of Google found a problem, which probably nobody but Google knew about. Google told Apple. Google and Apple worked together to figure out how to fix it. Apple fixed it and pushed out a release. Now, after the whole thing is finished, Google are disclosing that they did it and Apple are saying yes and they, you know, and we fixed it and it's all part of, you know, tech companies working together responsibly to try and keep technology as safe as possible. 
for all of us. Um, but there are people out there who are using it as a way to try and, you know, whip up a scare story about Apple and say Apple's not as secure as they claim. Well, um, there we go. That's the main reason to to uh, bring that up, really. So if you've read yeah. stories anywhere, people um, claiming that there's a whole massive gaping hole in Safari that allows you to be tracked, uh, as long as you're up to date, it was fixed, you know, a month or so ago. There we are. Um, yeah, I think I, I think I said before the show, didn't I? Uh, uh, it's a matter of uh, we're secure. We're secure. Oh no, we're not. No, 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 we're not secure. Oh yes, we are. Oh no, we. <laughs> no, yeah, we are. We're not. It's, we uh, are. We're not. Um, we live in we live in a world where security is a, is a mobile thing, and and we just have to sort of well, uh, yeah, just I'm, be I mean, assured that Apple have got their our best interests heart, and they're working at it. Yeah. So actually, spinning off from that, I'll, I will jump into this one. Um, obviously, there's uh, some more shenanigans going on with the FBI um, and the US government uh, and relating to the Pensacola shooting. And the FBI are saying, you know, we want to want you to break into the shooter's iPhone. And Apple are saying, we can't do that. Um, this is basically a rerun of the San Bernardino um, thing. Um, and Apple is saying, no, we can't do that. Um, but, uh, you know, we can give you uh, the iCloud backups. Um, and there's another story spinning off that as well, really, which we'll get onto. Anyway, um, Dougie in the Slack room, our uh, digital forensics uh, specialist, sent a story uh, which says FBI got data from a locked iPhone 11 using the grey key. Um, now, I'm not going to go into this uh, document um because it's how does this tool work uh link in the show notes if you want to understand um about the gray key which we've talked about before and how it um can brute force your phone or a phone um one of the main things that comes out of that story is oh well it can crack a four digit pin in about four minutes or something um and a, you know it can crack a six digit pin in um, I think it was like two hours or something. However, if you use a full, you know, a full uh, length key for your phone, which I believe the maximum is 11 characters. If you used uh, 11 character, um, you know, key for your phone, it would take the grey key something like 4,000 odd hours to break into it. Um, so the simple answer to that is use a long key. Um Apparently, the iPhone 11 uh, held off FBI hacking efforts for two months, according to the cult of Mac. So, um, you know, this isn't quite as simple as they get your phone and plug it in and boom, they have instant access. Uh, as as uh, I said to Dougie, well, these things, of course, like every um, arms race, you know, be it chainmail versus axes, plate mail versus spiked maces and so on sometimes the defense side has the upper hand and sometimes the attack side has the upper hand um and at some points gray key will be useless and apple have the upper hand and at other points you know gray key or celebrite or any of these you know hacker crew or whatever they are um will have the upper hand because they will have an exploit that allows them to break in um for most of us in reality it, is this really a huge concern I would say probably not, you know. Um, yeah, I, was I agree. I was listening, you know, I mean, for a start, unless you're doing something so heinous that the FBI wish to seize your phone and break into it, um, you know, they're not going to, right? I don't think they... Of course, the concern about whether or not people can get into your phone is always about, you know, governments start off with terrorists and, uh, you know, child pornographers, and before you know it, they're searching people's phones for parking offences. Um, yeah, I mean, weakening encryption to aid um, law enforcement is is not it's just not the way forward. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It can't work. It doesn't. And, um, and we know and we know for a fact that that um, government held material has escaped f from government clutches over time. Well, let's um, face it. The NSI had uh, NSA had their own set of hacking tools, didn't they? And they got hacked and stolen. And, and then stole. we used so, actively yeah. um, against So people. there is there is no safe way to actually put in a backdoor. And no. it, it doesn't matter if it's a different group of people saying it or uh, or how, as you say, how heinous the uh, 
The crime is it doesn't mean that we should just give everyone access to our phones. No, precisely. Which is what you're saying by putting a back door in. If you put a back, yeah, everybody who knows anything about it says back doors don't work and they're a terrible idea. Um, and I'm sorry, law enforcement, but, you know, just because you want it doesn't mean it's a great plan. Um, anyway, at the moment, of course, the, the you know, the sort of balance of power is hovering around the fact that Apple will not give them a backdoor, but they are not effectively being compelled to do so because there are other companies out there who, for a considerable fee, have techniques to get into these phones. Yes. Um, Whether that's an ideal situation or not, it does kind of mean that the FBI or whatever only like to do this for somebody who has done something pretty horrible because it's not a cheap option. Um, No, no, that's wrong. (laughs) You know, these companies uh, hoard their uh, ability to do this close to their chest because... They make a lot of money out of it. Um, and, and Dougie agreed, you know, these things seesaw. Sometimes one side has the advantage, sometimes the other. And that thus it will be forevermore, really. Um, and sp- kind of following on from that, um, there's been a lot of stories around this week saying, um, you know, that Apple uh, were thinking about completely encrypting uh, your iCloud backup. Now, the state of what is and isn't encrypted um, is quite complicated, but basically everything on your phone is encrypted and can only be unlocked by you with your key or your face or your finger or whatever. Um, some stuff in the cloud is encrypted, but your iCloud backup which, you know, your phone, if you turn it on, performs nightly, I think, um, is not encrypted. Or rather, it is encrypted, but Apple have a key. So it it is not only you who has the key to the uh, iCloud backup. And this is how, um, you know, under uh, a warrant, uh, Apple will hand over to the FBI iCloud backups belonging to, uh, you know, these people whose phones they want to get information about. Now, there's a lot of stories going around this week saying that Apple pulled back from fully encrypting it so that even they don't know what's in your iCloud backup because the FBI put pressure on them. Now, I'll be honest, that story doesn't hold any water to me at all. Um, Most people's view, and uh, I'm sure this has probably been made clear probably by, you know, people inside Apple who have ways to leak little bits of information about such things, that almost certainly the real reason that Apple are um, retaining keys to iCloud backups is because without that, there would be nothing they could do to help you if you managed to lock yourself out of your account, right? And I'm pretty sure there's a lot more people turning up at app stores saying, I've forgotten my password and I can't get into my phone. Can you help me, you know, uh, unlock my account and restore from backup? Um which Apple can do because they have a key to your backups and they would have to tell you to reset your phone and then, you know, allow you to download the latest iCloud backup because they have a key. Um, and they do that. They, you know, you have to jump through hoops to prove that you're who you say you are, obviously, that you've not nicked somebody else's phone. Um, but yeah, I'm I sure mean, that... can, you imagine, can you imagine the Ferrari if uh, every time you, and let's face it, we all forget passwords from time to time, even if you use a password manager. <laughs> Um, there are there are times when you use a, a password, perhaps not such a secure one, and then you forget it. And if you went to Apple every time and they said, no, sorry, it's all gone, mm. it's all gone, tough. Tough. Uh, there'd, there'd be a huge Ferrari about it. So, I mean, it makes sense that they held on to the keys for the I'm, iCloud. I'm pretty sure that there's an awful lot more people contact Apple saying, I've locked myself out of my account, please can you help me? Um, and Apple can help them. Then there are FBI men turning up at Cupertino saying we need to unlock this phone. Um, yeah. So therefore, <laughs> realistically, you know, if they said, right, to protect everybody, we're going to fully encrypt iCloud and we will not be out. If you lose your password, that's it. Tough. We can't help you. Uh, I don't think that would be I don't think Apple would see that as a very customer friendly stance. I mean, for most of us, most of us are never going to have a warrant asking for our iCloud backups. You know, most of us are not terrorists or child pornographers or drug runners or, you know. Um, so realistically, it's it's a, a typical risk versus um, rewards balance, I think. Yeah, yeah um, that's right. And 
convenient. And convenient, indeed. And I have a uh, a piece here which um, Apple's stance on iCloud encryption keys is nothing new for the company. From Axios, um, which I've read, again, I'm not going to go into and quote particularly, but it, it makes that point, the same point that pretty much everybody is saying. It's highly unlikely that the Apple have not encrypted, you know, the iCloud because of the FBI. I don't think if Apple wanted to encrypt the whole of iCloud, they'd just do it. I don't think they're scared of the FBI. I really don't. If they wanted to do it, they'd do it. I think they have decided long ago that the amount of grief it would cause would be far outweigh the benefits to the average person. So there we are. Um, So a lot of FBI and security stuff floating around this week. Um, This one's a bug. I'm not aware of this one, and I don't know if anybody else is. But apparently, um, and there's an iOS 13 bug, um, and in the article it says uh, this might even go back to iOS 12, but it will disconnect your phone from Wi-Fi and switch over to LTE if you make a FaceTime call, um, which is kind of Mm. pretty poor, because usually, surely the point is to be in Wi-Fi and then use a FaceTime call to speak to your grandchildren or whatever without burning data. Um, So that's a pretty poor show, to be honest. Um, And some people are saying this has been around for a long time. Um, I don't use FaceTime personally, so I'd be unlikely to come across this. But uh, do be warned, people, if you use um, FaceTime, you might want to check on that. Apparently, at the moment, the only workaround really is to go into your settings, turn off uh, your cellular data or turn off your cellular radio um, and then make your Wi-Fi um, FaceTime call. There you go. That's, that's actually that's actually really interesting. One of the last jobs that I was doing working for 7Trend was uh, looking at uh, mobile usage. And that th- this would obviously affect that. I mean, if some of these guys, some of our the, the guys for the company are out working on sites, or and they might 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 be on a on a a, a burst main that is causing flooding in people's homes, and so it's pretty urgent. And they may need to do FaceTime calling, which will obviously push up their data usage if this is true. Mm. Well, um, I mean, obviously, if you're in an area where you can't get any Wi-Fi, you would expect it to go by LTE. But I mean, yes, but it, even it seems that even if they were in their offices doing the same thing, yes, it's, it's switching quite them. Possible. It, it yeah. switch apparently can switch you to LTE rather than uh, doing it over Wi-Fi as it's supposed to. Um, and also, it seems that Apple's not done much about it, which is a bit of a poor shot. I, I might send that. Uh, I might send that heading to my colleague who uh, took over from me. <laughs> well, <laughs> he might know, find that interesting. It could. It could be useful to know, couldn't it? You know, it really yeah. could. Um, what else? Oh, Apple. Um, again, this is a story that's being reported in two different ways. Um, Apple uh, were found to have infringed a, uh, a YLAN patent um, some time ago, um, and they appealed, and they have had the uh, award to um, what was it described as the patent uh, remunerations uh, company, i.e., patent trolls, uh, reduced down to eighty-five. Uh, 0.2 million US dollars, which is still a lot of money, but it was about a hundred. So it's reduced from about 140, 145 yeah. million. Um, because um, the judge said that um, the the applicants could either take 10 million or uh, have a retrial because the method they'd used to calculate their possible damages was flawed. So, um, I've seen a lot of sites. Shouting this is Apple gets stung 85 million for, um, you know, patent infringement as if it's something um, A, new and B, you know, whoa, look at Apple, you know, yet again, look at Apple, they're not as moral as they make out. Um, yeah. Actually, they, they, yes, they're going to have to pay out 85 million because it appears they have infringed this patent, um, but it was a lot more and the company who, uh, you know, are putting in the claim are effectively a known um, patent troll. Um, We've said this before. I mean, the patent landscape is so complicated that a lot of companies like Apple or Samsung or whatnot do not necessarily intentionally um, infringe any patents, but they could spend more money searching all the patents uh, than they could possibly expect to make back. So, 
Yeah, I mean, it would, it would make a lot of sense if they just outlawed companies being patent trolls. I well, mean, yes, it, it would, yeah, definitely. I mean, I understand companies buying other companies and getting their patents as part of the purchase, but just buying patents for the sake of trying to sue big companies just seems, well... Yeah, exactly. And that is exactly what it is. Um, I, I believe in law they're described as non-producing entities, or I mean, Bart would know. Um, Basically, I'm sure there are, I'm sure there are, I'm sure, I'm sure Apple has other names for them, but perhaps they're yes. not uh, Probably not. <laughs> on, you know, we might have to put an explicit tag on if we, uh, <laughs> uh, if we speculated on what they might call them. Um, let's just say, itter, itter, itter. um, yeah, um, but I mean, a lot of big companies effectively have to go at some point, right? We, you know, obviously, I have no doubt that they do patent searches for you know, obvious patent infringement. But at some point they have to go, okay, like we're just going to push ahead and we'll set aside a certain amount of money in case somebody springs up with a patent um, to defend it. Uh, and of course... Yeah. It... The, di- the difficulty with American patent law, law is that, that they can patent ideas or concepts. Yes, they exactly. Which you makes can... it really, really hard to, to tie down. Well, Whereas can, in yeah. the UK, I, I think it's still true in the UK, it has to be a thing you're patenting. Well, yeah, they, that's the other thing, isn't it? That you that you can patent things that are incredibly generic. If you look at the terms of a lot of American patents, it's like, uh, you know, a device which might be able to do this, that, and the other, and composes of electronic components, which, you know, and it's like, really? Yes. So which I could, could, so which they're could, actually written to be as broad as possible. Yes. And I, yeah. yeah, they're just concepts. And um, it, this is how these people then come back and go, oh, well, I, I you know, I... I'm going to sue you for um, the walkie-talkie feature on the watch because I, you know, I have a patent for a Dick Tracy-style watch. It's like, no, that's ludicrous, farcical. <laughs> but they, yeah. you know, the way the American patent system works is, you know, that that's kind of allowed. Um, I mean, lots of people have, have said, haven't they, and, and quite clearly, realistically, um, a lot of these things would be simplified if the patent rules demanded that you had at least a working prototype mm. of a thing. Yeah, uh, you know. I think so. But there we go. That's not likely to happen, is it? No, it's not there's likely to too, happen. There's far too much money tied up in fighting these things. There is indeed. Um, there's a lot of lawyers make a lot of uh, money, you know, and live very well yeah. off basically arguing the toss about whether a drawing of a box with two squares on it constitutes a laptop or uh, a matchbox <laughs> with a window in the top. Um, yeah. uh, there we go. Um, and on the patent front, Apple have uh, patented uh, an all-in-one desktop computer made purely from glass, incorporating the keyboard, dual trackpads, and more um, on patently Apple. Now, as we know, uh, in light of what we were just saying, of course, Apple often patent things simply to protect themselves. So if they do want to do something later, you know, you've protected an idea on the grounds that someone else can't steal it first, as it were, or come after you after the event. Um, I've had a look at this patent. Um, to be honest, it looks absolutely terrible. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it looks absolutely... Oh, oh, it looks slick. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, it would look absolutely lovely in the showroom, but I suspect... Um, ergonomically and usage-wise, it would be absolutely horrible, um, I'll be honest. The idea of the keyboard fixed at a position in front of the screen and whatnot would be awful, absolutely awful. Mm. If I think about the number of times per day I move my keyboard around the desk for one reason or another, um, so there you go. But it is simply a patent. Um, interesting, though. Yeah, it, it's an interesting. I mean, it looks a bit like those kind of glass LCD clocks that you can get uh, that kind of swoop down and then the curve under to be a foot well it's sort of in reverse but um no <laughs> looking at it as an actual user I mean, people, like, that people be have been talking about i mean uh, people have speculated haven't they that at some point apple may make something that is purely screen so you have two sections so it's like a laptop mm. but it's actually in two sections and you, and your keyboard isn't a real keyboard but i've never really taken those seriously no i, I can't i can't see them being popular uh, um, because there are far too many people who use their their apple devices to do something that needs 
tactile feedback and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. No, it, this it, is it, a it, case. It, this one looks like a case of oh, so very cool. Um, I'll yeah. be honest. I think it's going to be a long, long time before the traditional keyboard uh, can be replaced. I really do. No, you know, the the on-screen keyboards on your iPhone and your iPad are nice, you know, and it's clever and and it's all well and good. But if you do a job like mine and probably similar to what you might have had to do, Nick, you know, trying to type on a piece of glass for eight hours would be incredibly, yeah. incredibly frustrating. You'd be throwing the thing out of the window after an hour. Um, yes, just... and you probably end up doing some kind of damage to your fingers as well, which wouldn't wouldn't be nice. Yeah, exactly. I mean, enough people complained about the butterfly keyboard, not only about its reliability, but a lot of people didn't like its its travel. They're saying that effectively they find themselves bashing their, you know, bruising their fingertips by um, clattering on something that's got such a small amount of movement. Um, yeah. So I mean, I'll never say never. Never no. say never, but... Never but, say but never because, you know, It's an interesting knows? patent um, about it. Yes, <laughs> it is. Um interesting in as much as it's a concept i think more than um yeah and i guess yeah apple paint and all sorts of things and just because in that one they're talking about something which might or might not have a a non you know a non-moving part keyboard um but then again we've you know we've talked about these patents for things like plastic surfaces that can um you know be made to raise and create bumps and give tactile haptic feedback and all sorts of things so yeah never say never but uh i just think <laughs> for a large portion of the world you know you can buy a perfectly good keyboard for i don't know you know somewhere between 10 and 100 pounds depending on how much you want to spend um you're going to make something did that's you, did you know did you know by the way we're talking about uh keyboards um i don't know whether this is commonly known it probably is um did you know the original keyboard was designed to slow typists down? Yes, very much so. Um, it's a very famous story. The, the point being um, that when you're talking about early mechanical typewriters... Um, yes, you've, got, you've you, basically got little little metal slivers flying backwards and forwards, haven't you? In, yes, uh, on, yes, and uh, yeah. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> you might have to be our age or a bit older to have actually seen many uh, mechanical typewriters. I did actually learn to type yes. on a mechanical typewriter. Um, yeah, I had a mechanical typewriter at one time. Yeah. But the... Um, uh, yeah, and most people now would struggle to type on one because a true mechanical typewriter, you have to hit those keys with considerable force. <laughs> you did, and um, you the did. Ones and, were... uh, and, and they were prone to even then. If you did, if you weren't accurate, you you, you sometimes the the uh, the little bits of metal flying backwards and forwards got tangled in amongst one another. Yes, exactly. And then you had to untangle them. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, yeah, literally the hammers would fly forward, wouldn't they? And um, if you miskeyed yeah. and hit, you know, um, I don't know, let's say uh, D and F together, um, the keys would fly forward and jam and you would have to. Um, so, um, yes, apparently the QWERTY was designed to uh, not necessarily so much slow you down, although to some extent slow you down, but also to move keys which were likely to collide yes. apart. Yeah. So you don't put Q and U next to each other because that would be more likely to cause a key collision. But there you yeah, go. so it's a mechanical thing more than yes, anything else. Yes, it was originally, yeah. The, yeah. And that's also why there are other um, keyboard layouts, you know, for other languages. Yeah, they've experimented with all sorts, haven't they? Well, they, obviously there are keyboard layouts which are supposed to help you type faster if you can learn them, you know, Dvorak and so on. But there are also other traditional, quote unquote, keyboards different from QWERTY because um, the letter combinations in some other languages are different. It reminds me rather of, um, so some of our younger listeners, if we have any young listeners, um, uh, might not remember this, but uh, when you used to go into a supermarket uh, uh, and, and you used to go to the till to cash out, uh, they didn't scanned food back in those days no. um, there'd be someone with one hand on on a numeric keypad and they would i've never seen fingers move so fast they, they'd literally sort of their fingers were moving constantly as they swiped food through and they saw what price it was and they'd type the price in physically on a keyboard i um, 
and they used to be so fast at it. I was going to say when I was when I was a young lad, yeah, about probably about twelve or so, I was constantly fascinated by the the women at the tills in our you know small local supermarket because, as you say, you would go to the till and they would have um, yes a, a numeric keyboard. Actually, uh, yeah. most of them analog, mechanical, not electronic. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they would pick up the items, wouldn't they? Your tin of beans, and there would be a physical sticker on it saying nine p or whatever, and they would yeah. type in, you know, point nine, point oh nine, and with one hand. And they were so they were so good at it. Sometimes they'd be chatting as well at the same yeah, time. <laughs> they would be talking to you, looking at the product, reading the labels on the products as they slid them past, and typing with one hand on a basically a calculator keyboard um and then at the end they were amazing and it would print out one of those long till rolls um oh that's right yeah and uh yeah not like now when it comes out of the machine silently it used to go that's right and then all you'd have would would be a list of of amounts you wouldn't be able Mm. to tell what you paid for what those amounts were for (laughs) no it seems like it it seems like Hundreds of years ago now. <laughs> <laughs> there we are. Oh, dear. Um, right. So um, there's no Nemo this week or next week because uh, Nemo's taking a break while he restocks the hardware store with new products for the forthcoming year. So Jolly good. Jolly good. We'll look forward to those. Um, what other stories have we got? Um, well, we'll talk about Sonos in a minute because that's quite a long one, isn't it? Um, yeah. The Vine co-founder has apparently launched a new six-second looping video app under the name Byte, B-Y-T-E. Um, okay, um, not sure why. Uh, Vine was a thing, and then Vine was not a thing, so uh, I'm not sure. So perhaps he's just hoping Byte will be a thing and then not a thing. <laughs> well, uh, unless, of course, unless, of course, uh, because didn't Vine end up being part of Twitter? Oh, did it? Oh, is yes, it one of those? Is it one where somebody bought him out and then basically killed it? In which case, maybe he's got a chance. Um, and if he has and it becomes a thing, here's a clue for you. Don't sell it again. <laughs> <laughs> Unless, of course, actually the only way... someone comes to you with a big, with a big check. <laughs> well, of course, the other thing is a lot of these companies, isn't it, is they, they start these things. I mean, Twitter was the same. Uh, YouTube was the same. I mean, YouTube lost money for years and years and years. The only way that... the uh, founders made any money out of it was by cashing out when google came along and said we'll give you billions of dollars for that um yeah so i mean it could be that yeah bite becomes a thing and then but it's actually losing money and then somebody gives him a bucket full of money and then he off he goes who who can say um i mean the whole vine thing passed me by i'll be honest um yes me too me too. And, and so did uh, Her- it, said, it says in the article that uh TikTok has flourished. So is TikTok a similar sort of thing? I don't know. TikTok is a is a similar kind of um, thing. Yeah, it, where users share yeah. short videos. I, I think they're longer than six seconds. I don't know how long they can be. There's a lot of right. thing about oh well, TikTok sending all your information to the Chinese government because it's a Chinese company. Um, oh. I'm not sure the Chinese government really care that much about what a lot of you know uh, what a lot of um, you know. Uh, Western teenagers are making 10 second videos about. Um, <laughs> and if they've, got, if they've got thousands upon thousands of poor Chinese intelligence people watching them, they're probably sending them all mad. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They come out of work at the end of the day screaming, my eyes, my eyes. Oh, <laughs> um, there we are. Um, well, I'll tell you what, before we get into much else, uh, this one's the, just the snippet for the uh, thing. Uh, Star Force or Star Trek, uh, you know, Mr. Trump unveiled a new logo um, for this you know, wonderful Space Force. <coughs> there we go. Um, unfortunately, the logo seems strangely familiar to a lot of people. Um, seek it out on the web. Let's face it, it looks like Starfleet Command. Um <laughs> So uh, it's been widely ridiculed. Let's put it that way. Um, to be fair, to be fair, the sort of elements that are in it, uh, if you look at things from Air Forces and, and, you know, NASA and things like that, the kind of elements that are in it, globes, wings, stars, you know, things representing an orbital strike, that sort of, uh, you know, uh, orbital path, that sort of thing, um, unsurprisingly occur over and over again. Same as if you look at a lot of, army badges you'll find a lot of lions tigers eagles 
Yeah, yeah. Swords, axes, um, whatever. Um, but yeah, this one is. Oh, it's got a picture of them. Yeah, it's got a picture of them both together, Starfleet yes. and. Uh, uh, they yeah, are. I can see where they're coming from. It's it kind does of, look quite similar. Um, uh, uh, what's his name? George. I'm going to mispronounce his name. And uh, George Takeshi. Takei. 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 Um, Takei. Yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah, he, he said, said there is nothing sacred anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think uh, more laughingly on Twitter, what he actually said, he, he said, uh, I think those of us at Paramount are expecting royalties on this. Uh, <laughs> I guess. Very um, good. I read somewhere that the guy who actually designed the original Starfleet um, logo for Gene Roddenberry just laughed and said it's just, you know, none of this is serious. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> no. Don't, you know, I'm not really that bothered. Oh, dear. Okay. So, um, oh, I've got this one. I put this one in worth a chirp. Um, this is, I don't normally link to Twitter threads, but this is a longish Twitter thread by Stephen Sinofsky, um, ex of Microsoft, of course, um, who I, you know, I really like his pieces. He, you know, he's very intelligent and um, thinks, very, thinks very deeply about the things he talks about. So, you know, he knows what he's talking about and he tends to um, be fairly coherent. So um, he wrote a piece called The Future of the OS, which I think is about um, 25 posts long um, and well worth a read, to be honest, um, uh, if you're interested in that sort of thing. He's talking very much about um, the development of the, the OS over time and the current situation with cloud um, and sort of how abstraction moves up the stack all the time. Um, he's kind of saying that at the moment, the situation with all these kind of different cloud solutions um, is a bit like the early days of the OS where there were, you know, everybody had their own version um, until gradually, mm. um, you know, things moved up the stack and people get filtered out until there's only probably two or three main players. Um, interesting, so. interesting piece. Um, I, th I haven't linked this one, but he also mentioned... Um, I think it was this morning, uh, you know, X is a toy. Um, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not required to be the next big thing, but it's usually <laughs> so. So, And then he had a list of things that have, you know, been called by the industry a toy. So, you know, uh, Wi-Fi is a toy. You know, the Mac OS is a toy. Uh, the GUI is a toy and so on. Um, all things which have, of course, risen... <laughs> to become the next big thing um <laughs> yes um and i think he coined a word in it about uh i recall discussing the toyness of various products there we go uh yeah um well uh the the next thing i guess uh and probably the last thing of the of the show really um sonos um sonos got themselves in hot water yet again um they announced that they were going to uh, stop supporting uh, older Sonos devices. Uh, they would no longer get security pa patches or bug fixes. Um, and the internet flew into a rage um, because uh, it would appear that the initial announcement was poorly handled and it was easy for people to get the impression that Sonos were effectively saying, um, if you have older devices, we're no longer going to support them and they won't work properly with your newer kit. And, uh, you know, effectively, they will probably become useless in short order. Um, and people were outraged. Um, partly, I suspect, with, you know, uh, if you think that you've got a lot of money invested in Sonos kit over the years and then you are, uh, it's implied that some of it is effectively going to become almost useless, uh, you might be very upset. Now, we have to be aware some of these devices go back a long way. Some of them are 10, 12 years old. Um, and, and as you said before the show, Nick, you know, you can't support everything forever uh, because technology moves on all the time. But it would appear that, that this was actually just a really, really badly handled announcement. Um, the CEO had to uh, release um, a kind of apology and a, a walk back. And now they've said, actually, that they will continue to support uh, older devices with security patches and bug fixes going forward. Um, 
However, he had to try and clarify that what they were initially saying was, like Apple, um, you know, these older devices will no longer be supported. They will continue to work, um, but they will just, you know, not get any new features. Um, they may not work correctly with older devices, uh, newer devices, uh, and so on. Uh, it seems, again, a bit of a storm in a teacup, um, all caused by... Um, incredibly poor communication of what it was they actually wanted to do. Um, I mean, did you see much about that? I mean, I don't have any Sonos uh, technology. I don't have anything like that. So, you know, it was all a bit went past me by um, until, um, A, I thought about talking about it on the show and B, I listened to the Vergecast where they went into it in great depth. Um, explaining exactly what Sonos were and were not uh, attempting to do. Yeah, I did hear some. I did hear some feedback from people who got Sonos um, who were very disappointed that they'd said they weren't going to support them anymore. Um, but that that's all really. That's my. That's been my only experience. I have actually got a couple of Sonos ones which uh, are still in support, so it doesn't oh, affect me. But no, I think part of it is you know we all have to we all have to learn to some extent that this you know this kit cannot go on forever um it certainly can't be supported forever i think um, i think we i think we've got every right to believe that it should continue to work for some time beyond I, its official support i think this um, is the problem but it but it obviously won't do some of the new stuff that the latest stuff will do i think this is the problem sonos did not make it clear that just because stuff was no longer going to be supported that it would continue to work. Uh, I mean, everybody accepts, don't we, we, as Mac users or whatever, we all accept that eventually your machine will reach a point where it will no longer be able to run the newest, shiniest OS. Um, yeah. But that doesn't make it useless. No. Um, no, far from it. You can I, I mean, I think you, we've, we've both talked about people in the past who, who have quite old machines but still use them for various things. Indeed. Uh, I, I had a friend at work who was uh, st- who had my old iMac, uh, my 24-inch iMac off me. Um, but before that, he was using a, a PowerPC uh, Mac, um, and he'd been quite happy with it. it. The reason he decided to buy mine was simply he'd got a failing hard drive and I managed to save it for him. Yeah, I mean, um, for but, many... But it, it was still working okay. I mean, for many people, um, uh, a friend of mine had um, uh, an old iMac, um, I can't remember what it was now, G5, I think, which he was using, you know, um, and had used for many years. But uh, although he was still perfectly happy with it, it reached the point where he could not get an up-to-date enough browser. I mean, yeah. he went from Safari to 10.4 Fox um, to something else, which for some reason still supported such an old operating system. Yeah, and... this friend of mine was using 10.4 Fox because he needed Flash. Yeah, um... well, 10.4 <laughs> Fox, no. Um, but eventually he reached the point where, ba- you know, basically he could not get an up-to-date enough browser to surf the web properly, you know. 50% or more of the sites he went to would say, you cannot view this content because your browser is too old. Um, I, I think it depends on, I think a lot of it depends on um, how techy you are and how um, much risk you're prepared to live with. Because once it's out of official support and official update, um, obviously over time, that, that operating system is going to become more and more vulnerable to attack. Mm. But again, but that yeah. doesn't that doesn't mean it will be attacked. I mean, no, I say it depends not. on how much risk you're prepared to live with. And, uh, and uh, you know, in in the case of my friend, he was using it mostly for scanning and cataloging his photographs. And um, for a, yeah, if you decide not to connect it to the internet, you're probably fine. <laughs> well, it, you know, he, even when he was connected to the internet uh, for various you know reasons, what yeah, what there was nothing on his machine basically other than his photographs and um for a while he was you know well actually a while for several years he was the editor of a you know a railway preservation um right newsletter um for the 56 group um Uh so if anybody'd hacked into his computer unless they were interested in stealing his vast quantity of photographs of you know um diesel locomotives and uh (laughs) and copies of the (laughs) of the gridiron magazine they'd have got very little of any use um 
And yeah, I mean, I I know a guy who's still running a, a Macintosh two CI uh, because as the sh- before the show, I said to you, Nick, he he uh, put a huge library catalogue on there. Uh, you know, when the two CI was probably a fairly new machine, um, and so for many years continued to use it for that. And uh, then he came to the point where he realised that actually there was no way effectively to get that information off that machine and into anything newer. I think he'd done it in in Claris Works, probably Claris Works one or two. Um, so he is still using that machine. Um, yeah. it's I huge, think, I think on, on Sinus's side on this, I mean, like Apple, really, there comes a point where you have to cut off legacy systems and say, I'm sorry, but we've got to move forward. We can't keep supporting something that is... Well, this is it. And actually, if you... old. After the event... It, it comes, you know, to the point that really what Sonos were saying was, you know, some of these very old uh, pieces of kit we cannot continue to support, um, but they will continue to work for some time. And if you wish to set up a kind of like a what they called a vintage network of, with your old uh, speakers, they would continue to work just as well as they ever have. Um, yeah. And if you brought in a newer one, uh, you would probably want to put that on its own network because that would have access to all the new features. Um, and as I understand it, if you connect all your Sonos uh, devices together, they work at the capacity of the you know weakest one in the chain. Um, uh, do, you know what, do you know what I've just thought of? This is an aside and not really related to Sonos. Uh, one of the bane the banes of modern technological life is hubs. I seem to be gathering hubs everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a, a I've got a, um, a Hive hub. Um, I, I've just had a new with the new car. I also had a new um, charging point put outside the house, uh, and that has a hub because you you can monitor it from your phone. Um, uh, and I've I've got a camera that's got a hub, so. I'd be really pleased if all these companies could get together and just have one hub. <laughs> Couldn't, wouldn't we all? Wouldn't we all? So yes, in, in one the hub end, to rule them all. One hub to rule them all. That's it. Uh, and in the darkness, bind them. Um, <laughs> it, it, it seems really that actually Sonos were not p- proposing to do anything different than Apple or Microsoft or anybody else. Yeah. Um, but they mishandled the announcement so poorly that people got the impression that they were effectively going to brick all these old devices and that Oh right. Um uh, now whether communication's the... really important, isn't it, for a company? Yes. I now mean, whether getting out the right messages in the right way. Whether some people got, you know, the wrong end of the stick because they were outraged the minute they thought they were gonna, you know, be losing support or I don't know because obviously, as I say, I have no Sonos kit. But it would appear that the the whole thing was so badly handled that people got the wrong end of the stick, blew up in a rage, and were you know collecting their pitchforks and burning torches. Um, and it just goes to show, you know, <laughs> there's a reason why PR companies exist. Um, yeah. You know, we might not all think of, you know, I know a lot of us think of PR companies as sort of slightly sleazy, but there's a reason why they exist. And that's because sometimes you need people who understand how to communicate to the public what it is you want them to know and yes. not just whatever shout do, out all this old whatever you do, don't get Whatever you do, don't get your techies to, to, to announce to the public what they're doing because... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or quite often, apparently, you know, the CEO, the CEO without somebody uh, checking what he's about to say. Um, yeah, true. Yeah. It didn't help, of course, that uh, it came out that their previously that their so-called recycling program was bricking devices. If you accepted their, um, oh, I will trade in my old Sonos speaker for a discount on a new one, they would send a code yeah. to the uh, device which would effectively brick it so that you couldn't sell it secondhand, uh, which went down like a lead balloon quite well, right. it seems a little bit devious, doesn't it? <laughs> um, that was, you know, uh, that went down like a lead balloon and did not do their, you know, public... Uh, you know, their public uh, standing much good. And I don't think that helped with this when they, you know, said they were cutting off support. I think many people may have jumped to the conclusion that they were effectively shutting these devices down. Um, but whoops, whoops, whoops so yeah. that's all we can say. Yeah. And no doubt, again, in reality, a bit of a storm in a teacup because um, for now, at least, they've rolled back and said that they will continue to roll out security patches and bug fixes, even for their oldest kit, which 
I guess that buys them some time, but sooner or later they're going to have to cut it off. You, you know, Apple don't still yeah. send out security patches for, you know, your Mac SE30. Um, as, as a Sonos owner, I think I'd like Sonos and Amazon to work more closely together. I, I don't know quite who is um, holding up developments in this area, whether it's Sonos are not developing the stuff fast enough or whether Amazon are being awkward about allowing proprietary stuff from um, the A-Lady to be allowed. But it's a little bit frustrating that some things work on my Amazon show, for instance, um, but they don't work on the Sonos speakers. That, so, that, I would find that intensely uh, yeah, annoying, I, I, would, I must admit. Yes, I, I, would like, I would like them to work on both, really. And I say, I don't know whose fault that is, whether that's Sonos or whether it's Amazon. But come on, guys, get your act together. Yeah, well, exactly. If you're, <laughs> going to, if you're going to say that, you know, your Sonos speakers support, um, you know, the, the uh, A-Lady, then it needs to work properly. Otherwise, it's, well, yeah. I won't say worse than useless. I hope, this, uh, I hope this home Internet of Things home body uh, yeah, that they've chip. got together. Yeah, I hope that's. Get, I hope that will sort of start to pull some of this stuff together, so that we can have stuff that's cross-platform. It, it would be nice, work. wouldn't it? I mean, one of the reasons yeah. I have had very, you know, a, I'm not particularly keen on it, but the other reason that I've not really got involved in any of this sort of IoT smart home shenanigans is just the endless stories I hear of people, you know, from people like Mark. Oh well, the bulb works with this, and the you know the I don't know the light switch works with that and the bulb works with that and the speaker yeah, it, works it, with the it, other. It, it, and... Particularly at the, at the start, it was a little bit of a nightmare to get things to work together. You had to have have automating automated systems working with other automated systems to actually get stuff to work, right, and right. It, and it's still that way to a certain extent. So yeah, roll on a common language which we can use for all of them. Yeah, there we are. Um, well, no, I think that's probably pretty much it. I've just got two little things to mention. Um, Mozilla apparently has banned nearly 200 malicious Firefox add-ons in the last two weeks. Um, wow, that's a lot. It is. I'm I'm not much of one for browser extensions, I must admit. I've always considered them slightly, um, you know, slightly dubious yeah, I think to a large extent. I think, the only one, I think the only one I use regularly is 1Password, and that's about it, really. Well, I've got... I, I have, I use three, basically. I have um, Ghostery, uh, Adblock, and LastPass. Um, right. And, and that is it. Um, I I mean, it might be my, you know, exposure to the days of Internet Explorer where people had, you know, all these horrible toolbars would install themselves and you'd go around to your <laughs> parents and half the screen was covered, you know, there was hundreds of toolbars. Um, and I've always, you know, I've always, therefore, from that kind of period, considered browser extensions slightly dubious and that you should be really, really careful about what extensions you use. Um, yeah. And there you go. Um, Firefox apparently have culled 200 um, apparently malicious Firefox add-ons in the last two weeks. Uh that was on Znet. Um, and I believe I read, I don't have a link to this, but I believe I read somewhere that um, Google had got a similar problem and had, you know, removed uh, a vast number of fraudulent and or malicious um, Chromium extensions. So right. basically, yeah, be very, very careful. Um, but then I've always considered, yeah, <laughs> be very, very careful about any anything that you plug directly in, you know, be it a, a kernel extension, a a browser extension, those sort of things which hook deeply into your um, computing life should be treated with, you know, great care. There we are. Well, I think that's probably about all, isn't it, Nick? I think we've done um, pretty much everything. Yes, I think we have. I think we have. So, um, at this point, I suppose this is where we do the usual stuff. Um, let me say thank you to everybody who listens, of course. Thank you to everybody who, uh, you know, supports the show, uh, whether that's through uh, the Patreon, the Pine Tips Tips Jar, um, by telling other people they should listen to us, by forcing people to listen to it, whether they like it or not, um, <laughs> writing us a review or anything else, um, retweeting our stuff on Twitter, all the rest of it. Um, 
Don't forget we have an Amazon affiliate link. Go to the website, press the big red button, go to uh, spend your money and we get a little tiny kickback if you do that. Um, And that, I think, is probably pretty much all of it. The Slack room, uh, join the Slack room where all the chitter chatter goes on. Um, Donny uh, yesterday went, oh my God, what's happening? There's been 50, <laughs> there's been 50 notifications in 10 minutes on Slack and... Uh, it turned out that it was just me and Jim, uh, you know, larking around and talking Friday night nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of drivel about Windy Miller and Ivor the Engine and all sorts of other uh, English nonsense that probably went way, way over Donny's head. Um, but there you go. If you're into that sort of silliness, you can join the Slack room. Don't forget, Mac Jim has a, a Flickr group the essential Apple Flickr group because, uh, you know, quite a lot of us apparently are into photography as well as, uh, you know, Apple stuff. Um, and that's probably about that for that. Uh, I am, of course, on the Twitters as at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. All the stuff is over on the website. Uh, do go and take a look at the website if you haven't been there recently because I've posted up some uh, a couple of guest postings and some articles as well as the shows. And um, I think that's probably about it. Nick, would you like to promote yourself? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, the masked stranger. Okay. <laughs> you can find me occasionally over on Bot, um, Let's Talk Apple, as well as this uh, podcast. Jolly but good. Basically, I just snoop around and hope, hope uh, people let me on, basically. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think then we will call that a show and wrap it up. So uh, thanks for coming on, Nick. And uh, we look forward to whatever the next week will be bring until then goodbye all bye everyone you've been listening to the essential apple podcast and i'd like to say if you enjoy the show and would like to support us feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both patreon and the pinecast tips jar where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show uh, or even if you're really keen you could set up a recurring payment and thank you very very much to all the people who already do support us we really do appreciate you very much indeed this show is of course part of the my mac podcasting network where you can find a variety of other shows like the my mac podcast with guy and gaz the g-men tech fan with tim and david the nintendo club podcast the geekiest show ever the three geeky ladies uh bart bouchotts and his wonderful let's talk apple and possibly some more that i forgot so why not go over to mymac.com take a look at the available podcast and take a listen Hi, I'm Bart Bouchotts, host of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. Every month I gather together a panel of Apple followers and we digest the month's Apple news. Our aim is to step back and take a 40,000 foot view of all things Apple. We're the perfect complement to the many great daily news shows out there. Listen and subscribe at www.letstalk.ie. Thank you for listening and we hope to see you next time.